You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I'm your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. But before we get to the podcast, you know what you got to do. Hit us up on all the social media outlets if you could do that. We are on Twitter at TNWPod. Check us out on Facebook at Talking Wrestling, T-A-L-K-N-W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G. Where else can we find us? Oh, we are also on... uh, on the iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, give us a favorable rating, five-star review. We'd appreciate that. Uh, of course, we are Talking Wrestling on uh, iTunes. We are Talking Wrestling also on Spotify, as well as Casey Corbin is. So check out all of his or my CDs. Uh, you know what they are. Turtle Crossing Vampires are popular in different uh, jokes. Um, also, we are also on Instagram. Check us out on Instagram. We are at Talking Wrestling uh, Instagram. No. What yeah, talking wrestling podcast on Instagram. Uh, so check us out there. Um, yeah, that's what we got going on. Um, hold on, hold on a second. Just checking things. So right now we are we are waiting for the arrival of one uh, Colt Cabana. Uh, we think that he is will be arriving soon. Uh, right now we were supposed to be recording with him. However, uh. You know, uh, great wrestler, great wrestlers make entrances. And walking, speaking of entrances, right now, here's my brother from another mother, uh, from over six feet apart, out there in Mississauga land, uh, here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, Reeves uh, with a spoon, with a fork. I don't know. <laughs> it's good to me, folks. It's Reese Turner. How you doing, bud? I'm great, brother. How are you? I'm great. I'm just feel like I'm waiting for the bus. You know, it's just like. When's the, Col- <laughs> when's the Col- Cabana bus coming? I'm getting cold outside, you know. I, I want, love it. I want some of that Col- Cabana knowledge, you know. Damn. You this know? is that typical Hollywood behavior, you know, show up late. You know, we set out a giant spread for the band. We've got, I've got grapes over here. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get them to him, but I bought a lot of grapes. Don't tell RJ City, but we got a cop salad sitting here for him, and uh, we ordered it. We ordered in catering. So we got a lot of things going on. Not to mention. I don't have a lot of money. Not to mention. I got enough for catering. I don't even know if this is a dark order, Roos. I don't know what you got going on. I don't know what he's got going on. I don't know what the dark order's got going on, but you know there's some. they got their hands all over my podcast all of a sudden. I don't even oh, know what's baby. going on. It never sleeps net. Don't just enjoy, enjoy the ride. Hey, the um, ride. yeah. So, anyways, we hope that Colt will be joining us. Uh, but uh, until then, uh, guess what? We're capable of talking wrestling. Um, yeah, you got number four twenty here with you, baby. Who's that? Ugh. Who's number right here? Number four twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's your number, number in the dark order. Your number is number 420. Uh, yes. Um, yes. Lucky fortuitous pull. 
yeah, I'm wearing my today. I'm wearing my Slam or Smash uh, Toronto shirt because um, that's nice. where I used to watch the Super Smash Brothers wrestle before they became uh, the Dark Order, and uh, nice. I'm excited to talk to the Dark Order to find out uh, what the Dark Order is like, what it's been like, what it is like now, the contrast between Dark the Dark Order. Uh, before Brody, and then with Brody, and then after Brody. Um, you know, Ooh. I'm curious to talk about that. Uh, I have so many curious things to ask Colt Cabana. And uh, these, you know, I'm just, it's just like, when is that bus coming? So, uh, <laughs> you know. Who it, knows, baby? Is Chicago a different time than Toronto? I don't even know why I'm talking about Chicago time. I don't even know. I just know it is. what time it is in Toronto. It is. It's, an, it's an hour behind. Well, we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. <laughs> this will happen. This will happen at some point. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. No. So, but um, did you see AEW Dynamite? A- yeah, I'm like, whenever I start with AEW, I always want to throw IOU in the end. Like A E W U and sometimes Y. Um, nice. Did nice. you uh, see it last night? Of course I did. Or were yeah. you out ce- it. celebrating St. Patrick's no. Day with no, fuck the, fuck with that. Hornswoggle? I don't, I don't even like Irish people. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> For the record, I am Irish, but um, I not... you're one of you're you're Canadian though. You're not you're like. This is something that's got to stop. No, my 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 Canadians calling themselves Irish. You're no, Canadian. No. Be proud of it, baby. Mac I, and cheese, boiled hot dog. Live it, baby. I never even knew I was Irish until uh, I just found out recently. My cousin told us that we're pretty much all Irish. So, like, out of my grandparents, okay. my two, three of my grandparents are Irish and one is French. So that means okay. like I'm three quarters Irish, one quarter French, but one hundred percent. Canadian. Yeah. Everybody's British in my family. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's British. So, uh, yeah, I didn't do anything for St. Patty's Day, nor have I I barely ever done anything for St. Patty's Day. I watched AEW last night for St. Patty's Day, the St. Patty's Day bash. And uh, it was great. It was great. I love that they just start out with a main event. I love. Yeah. That, like, well, listen, it's, it, they're just fantastic. And the show, the way it's paced is breakneck. It's a breakneck pace. Every show from front to back, every match is like this. This is a, yeah, <laughs> what a show. Like, especially if they decided to name the Dynamite, you know it's going to be a good Dynamite. I know. Like, why would you even need to, need to name Dynamite? Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's like, it's like uh, tonight, tonight on AEW Dynamite Boomsticks. Um, you know that would Whoa, be redundant. Yeah. But what else would Not you call it. dynamite besides boomsticks or super explosive? AEW, yeah, AEW super explosive straws. <laughs> uh, AEW, this is uh, not nitro. Uh, AEW E4. Ritz firecrackers. Uh, a- <laughs> uh, Club sauce. That's a that's a joke. Um, I know what that's from, and uh, and also with club, club sauce. sauce. <laughs> that's, we'll learn that. 
reading to uh Minnelli. Uh, Lucille yeah. too. Yeah, I love club that scene. Sauce. It's like <laughs> everything's with club sauce. Joby, stop, <laughs> stop it, Joby. Um, <laughs> I wonder. He's I having a misery. I wonder what. Imagine if this is the episode. It's just every week. It's us waiting for a new guest, but no guest ever shows That'd be up. Great. That'd be great. Uh, so, it reminds me of. Uh, the grand tour they did like a segment where they'd interview a celebrity mm-hmm. and you'd always see the celebrity walking up to get interviewed yeah and then they always died before they got to them to be interviewed whether it was being hit by a truck drowning or they'd never make it to be interviewed it was amazing oh that's crazy crazy um i have an app you have an app for for destruction. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, oh, you have one of those things. <laughs> of course you yeah, would. I just got it. You're from yeah, Montreal. You would have one of those. Yeah. It's like that's an every but it's dance not just that. It's for everything. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I got this one too. Uh, I, I would play this at, uh, we had roast competitions in Montreal. Okay. So yes. Got, like a little out of control. And we needed to calm it down. I would play this. You play Seinfeld. Yeah, nobody laughed. It. They would laugh at that. It was the most laughter that Seinfeld had in a while. Oh damn it! I should have used the app. Oh, you should have used the app. You gotta get that. Get that app ready, because if Colt says something funny, and it hang, and we Let's let it, it hang. You fucking hit that. I'll do this. What? What? What is that? Do you Busty? remember that from Mortal Kombat? I don't know Mortal that. Kombat? I don't know that. He he probably knows it. Let's One of the here. questions I is... I got some good ones on here. He's, he's going to um, do the voiceover for the new WrestleFest game, apparently. And um, I guess it's just like the classic WrestleFest. But my, my yeah. question would be... So, what's your go-to tag team when you play WrestleFest? Have you ever played? Excellent. Yes, I have played. Yeah. Fair enough. I love that game. Uh, who's your go-to? Who's your go-to tag team? Mine. Uh, I like to use in WrestleFest. I would use uh, <laughs> when I was little. I would usually use Ultimate Warrior and Jake the Snake. Oh, nice, nice tag team. Yeah, that when I was little. As an adult, I've played it several times, and for some reason, I'm drawn to using Demolition. Demolition are are like fucking one of the best teams in the game. Um, I use what I like to call the perfect boss man. <laughs> I use Mr. Oh, perfect, oh and I use Big Boss Man, and that's my go-to tag team. So out of, out of uh, all of them. I just think Boss Man's moveset in that game is just so accurate and so perfect. And then Mr. Perfect is Mr. Perfect. So, and yeah, I fucking love that game. Like, I was, remember, I was there, I was in Kingston before COVID. And, uh, and it was like, oh shit, I was at an arcade or a barcade. And, uh, I was pumping quarters right into fucking WrestleFest. And I got like the, you have to win four tag team matches to get to the Legion of Doom. Which are the fifth tag yeah. team match, and then they just destroy you. It's like a fucking fucking like, rip you apart. It's yeah, like it's Mike even... Tyson's punch cool. out, right? You get to Mike Tyson, you're not you're not gonna win. 
Um, so oh, it's I've like never this, had anybody who's beaten Pup Tyson. So it's like it's pretty crazy. So we get the you know I'm dumping quarters in there, and this kid's looking at me. He's like, "You're pretty good at this." I was like, "Yeah, I used to play it all the time when I was your age." And I'm like, "What was your favorite? Do you have any favorite wrestling video games?" Oh, buddy, yeah, so many. Yeah, which ones were honestly wrestling video games are some of my favorite video games ever. Uh, I like WCW versus NWO World Tour. Yes. Uh, and I like that one in particular because it has a tag team finisher that's not available in any of the uh, other wrestling video games. And it was essentially a, uh, an assistant spike pile driver. Um, and it was uh, it was an amazing move. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. Me and my friends grew up playing that. We played every wrestling game that came out on 64. Like that, those those were the classic times. But then as I got older, I bought them again around WWE 2K14, and then I played the shit out of those just because they're easy and fun to play with friends. I always find wrestling video games to be great to play with friends. Yes, uh, I had I had Day of Reckoning was a was a fun one I enjoyed on my GameCube. Um, but the first wrestling video game I ever played was called Tag Team Wrestling. It was a stand-up video game at like Murray Store, which is at the bottom of the hill when I was a kid. And then we like these two guys, and one guy would go, "Oh, popo," and then he would like, basically, you had to like kidney, uh, you know, like basically instigary, instigary, uh, kidney punch, pile driver. That's how you beat the first match, and then the second wow. match would be even tougher and tougher. And it was all very limited, but it was like so much fun. And then. Um, and then I think the first video game, wrestling video game that I remember, well, like those WrestleFest in the video, and it was a game changer. Yeah. But as far as yeah, the video games, was amazing. I can't even remember the first. Oh, maybe, maybe I do remember <coughs> uh, Nitro when Nitro came out. I do remember yeah. Nitro versus NWO. Uh, I remember that one. Um, WCW versus NWO. I remember NWO like Nitro having better video games than than um, WWE for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. WWE's uh, like their, I guess their build engine was a janky man. I, I remember it was so complicated. If you wanted to do the rock bottom or something or a stunner, it was just like a weird combination of buttons. Like when you wanted to do a finishing move in WCW versus NWO. World Tour, you grab them with the heavy grapple and then you hit your joystick and the next thing you know, you've got them up as an, in a jackhammer if you're Goldberg. You know what I mean? Or the, the Outsider's Edge or whatever it was called. Uh, yeah. It it's, uh, yeah. It's totally crazy. It's, um, yeah. I was very into those games, man. I was, honestly, I love them. We create all of our own wrestlers all the time. Um, I created. It's weird. I created. I, I was gonna say I created Cole Cabana, and he never really? showed up on that video game either. No, uh, I created. Uh, 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 um, I created uh, Kurt Angle is who I created because uh, you can put the American tights on any on anyone. So I just made him. Yeah. You know, and I, he had hair back then, so I had hair on him, and uh, yeah, I, it, it was it was pretty cool. I, I like that was for SmackDown. I think when SmackDown came out for. The Sony PlayStation, yeah. yeah, that was a good video okay, game, yeah, yeah. And then that's pretty uh, good, yeah, that's good. I don't know if it was THQ that did that or if it was a. Cl- I think it was a claim, to be honest. 
Um, that yeah, the claim was doing a lot of the WWE stuff. THQ was WCW. Yes. Yeah, and then until uh, WrestleMania 2000, and then WrestleMania 2000, I think was you built using the same engine as WCW. This is good. This is this has probably already been done on a show, and it could have been done on the Cole Cabana show because um, he does have a Twitch channel. So, oh, really? you know, um, I'm gonna find him in video games and tune him up. <laughs> tune him up. Imagine that if if, yeah. if 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 you get Kenny Omega invites wrestlers that he just fights in video games, he's like, "Hey, why don't you come join AEW and fight for real?" You know. And because Christian yeah, was retired, Christian was just retired playing video games at home, and then all of a sudden he stumbled into Kenny Omega, and Omega's like, "Come wrestle me for club. real." Uh somebody made a cool oh, poster yeah. last night of a possibility that could happen come WrestleMania, where Edge is holding the world title, and Christian is holding the uh, A uh, AEW world title, and it's like a coup. And it's like uh, the ultimate opportunist, and Christian's like the you know, the uh, Captain Charisma baby. Yeah, and it's just like, imagine if they fucking did that for real. They both came out of retirement. They both won the titles, and then they started tagging up again, like as the double champions. <laughs> that would be the best That'd thing be ever, and impossible. But I just don't like Edge enough to to want that to happen. What? It's crazy to me that people love Ed so much when he was such a fucking scumbag. You know what I mean? Like, how do you how how did he get? Good oh, for yeah. him. Good for him. But like, how do you get well, over after literally being the biggest piece of shit? <laughs> I just got a message from uh, from uh, <laughs> I just got a message from, from Colt, and it said uh, it said, "Fuck, is Toronto different than Chicago time?" So we can postpone this, and we can pick it back up. Um, uh, so, so, like, when? At, at five? Yeah, well, hold on. We can start at five. Yeah, tell them to come, by, tell them to come in at five, uh, Eastern Standard Time. We could just we can plan right now. We can use right now and plan a little bit. Yeah, no problem. So this will be the start, and then uh, yeah, we did get a good start going on. It's three here thirty here. Okay. Oh, it's, oh. Uh, no, it's not. It's four thirty here. No, it's four thirty oh. here. Okay. So uh, yeah. So here. okay. So so thirty minutes. Thirty yes. minutes. <clears throat> Hold on, he's going to join us so now. so much shit about it. Okay, damn okay. it. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, okay, no, 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 go, go back up. Sorry, my phone's not cooperating with me right now. Oh, no. Casey's phone is on the fritz. What will happen? He's got four attempts to unlock it. Two more attempts. He's going to be here. He's showing up. He's coming in. We were waiting for the Cole Cabana bus to come, and he was like, there's a time difference between Toronto and Chicago. It's 3.30 where he is. We're already 16 minutes in. So, all right. When we come back, folks, Cole Cabana. From our break. From Here's our break. our break. We're going on a break. Here's our break. This is our break. One second here. 
Hello. Guess, Reese, look what just happened here right now. Hey, guys. Hey, hey Colt. Hey, brother? Colt, thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, it's great that you can be on the show. We're really happy to have you. This is my buddy, Reese. I'm Casey. And uh, you're Colt hey. Cabana. Are we in it or are we going to start soon? We can we can go in it or we can start soon or whatever. Like we can, it's up to you. Oh, oh I thought maybe you guys had started and then you're in the middle of a show. Oh, no, we know. started for just to just do our host chat. But then, okay. uh, you know, it actually works out perfect. So you can come in whenever. And uh, we, we already just introduced you. And uh, yeah, so here you are. So <laughs> it worked out. We just put it on pause for a couple minutes and we're good. Okay, cool. Hi. Cool. Hey, um, number one, thank you for doing the show. Uh, yes, of course. We met uh, a few years ago at the Ring of Honor, the last Ring of Honor, War of the Worlds in Toronto. Um, you, I uh, name-dropped Matt McCarthy and Vince Averill to you, and then Dylan Gott came up behind, and I was jealous because you guys are friends. So Ah, yes, we are. <laughs> so anyways, uh, it's good to meet you again. Uh, I guess... Well, well. Uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you was, how did you? Well, come first, to- let's we got to clear the. Uh, I mean, Reese is just smoking all over the place. It's a, it's it's yeah, crazy. You know, we got to clear the room a little bit. No, keep it, keep it in, get it in. Like this is part of the whole experience. You Reese's, know, I'm even charging for this part of the experience. Reese's <laughs> pieces is a whole another meaning in his square. I'll just say that right now. Every piece is a delicious nug, and uh, and not the nug that Canada knows in wrestling. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's not even a cigarette, is it? That's a no. He's got. Yeah, he's, no, this is a jazz cigarette. <laughs> that's, the, that's the medicine. You're you're doing the medicine. Uh, he's got jazz poor sticks. Guy. Jazz sticks going is, on. Yeah, there. I'm very sick. I'm very sick. Ugh. Oh my god. <laughs> now, now there's now there's there's before you even before we even start there's a backstory going on in our show that we have this sort of been happening. Reese just joined the show this year. I used to be a interview show only, but I got tired of chasing down interviews, and I brought in a co-host. And uh, okay. so we've been. So then I had to bring in my old roommate, who I still live with, because he's contracted for four episodes a year. So we do the mm. big review, the big four. So I had to apologize to Reese for bumping him. So I sent him a cameo from James Ellsworth. And, oh, yes, interesting. And, and in the cameo, and I took that as an act of aggression. No, of course. I, quit. James, I, I quit the James. podcast and I joined the dark order. I went to the website, I signed up, and then Uno cut a beautiful cameo for us, welcoming me. And then Casey, he just doesn't know what's going on. So, oh, so he sends me a cameo from, from, from Evil Uno. Evil Uno comes in my, my box. And he says, uh, "Have a happy Excuse Valentine's me? Day." Oh, I'm he, sorry, he what? Actually, he does not come in anybody's box. He, he does comes he in, coming in your box. He's, he doesn't come <laughs> in my box. He might come in other boxes, but not this box. And uh, so he comes in and he tells me that Reese is now with the Dark Order. And then all yeah. of a sudden, a week later on Twitter, uh, you tweeted at me, uh, showing me a picture of me in my kitchen. And at first, mm-hmm. I was like, "This is so random," but then I was questioning right. Reese. And the Dark Order, because they're from Ottawa. They could reach out and get me because we're from the same hometown. You know, I used to watch, uh, I remember when they showed up at All All In, or yeah, All In, and nobody knew who they were. And I was like, they're the Super Smash Brothers, and I was stoked. And uh, then it turns in, the Dark Order was created. But anyway, what I wanted to say was, how did you stumble across my kitchen picture online? (laughs) 
Um, I'm a big John Doerr fan. Oh, and fantastic. So, so I we can't get uh, his new show in America. So through Dark Order sources, I've uh, somehow gotten it on the internet. And uh, the Dark Order's dark web. And uh, of course, my brain, just probably just like both of yours, like if we see, I just watched that block, the last blockbuster movie yesterday. I don't know if you've seen that yet. No, not yet. And like, I was like, oh, there's a kid in a Steve Austin t-shirt and a Bullet Club sweatshirt. You know, you just like see those things. Like, yeah, our eyes are made to see that. So obviously you're on the show and I was like, ooh, I think I see a Sabu outline because yeah. your background's pretty much blurred, but just the wrestling, the wrestling nerd and an obsessor in me is like, I think I see a wrestling thing. And it's exactly you you nailed it on the head with Sabu. Um and it's and I think that's another good reason why I got Sabu because Sabu and his uh, his uh he has a genie with him as well, usually. Uh she got upset that I didn't want the picture of the both of them. <laughs> she and she's like what's the matter you don't like girls you don't like coming in boxes and i was like no obviously i do but no she didn't say that but she did make fun of me for not buying the one with them i'm like but this is sabu like this i just i uh you know Wait, i want the authentic one you don't remember melissa Coates in fmw with sabu and all of his runs no no i don't no, remember that does. at all she wasn't she wasn't nobody no. does so, Not a thing. Nobody no. wants Melissa Coates' picture. I didn't even know her name. I just called her the genie. That's her name. She was a former Deep South wrestler who wasn't under developmental contract, just kind of like tried to get a job, a former bodybuilder girl who was quasi-known in the bodybuilding community, but like not enough to make a living, thought she could make a living at wrestling, couldn't really make a living, and then scattered around for years and then now is tagged on to Sabu. That's and cool. they're in love. Uh, Are they in love? love? True well, love. That's that's fantastic. That is right. And she lost so. a leg. I don't know if you heard that. Oh no! In a match, or was uh, it like this uh, story's got a loser loses loser loser leaves a really leg like match? Just uh, amputated off. Um, I don't know the story. I've seen it online. Uh, I've seen the, I've seen the nub, and uh, it is it is what it is. Okay. Speaking of one legged wrestlers. Zach Gowan got tossed out of the Royal Rumble one time, and he didn't have two feet hit the floor. Is he still Great in the Rumble? Points. Great points. Have we? Have, this has had. To, this couldn't be the first time this has been brought up, right? I bring it up Ooh. with Kerry Von Erich and Zach Gowan all the time. Mm, Kerry Von Erich did did have semblance of a foot. Apparently, he had the, you know uh, half of a foot. Oh, I thought it was just like cut off the top of the ankle. I believe. Oh, I don't know. My be- my belief was it was like if here's the foot, it's cut right in the middle. So the, like the toes and a little bit of below it, but the heel is still there. Okay. Oh, because that okay. was my belief. Well, because like my it's like that would make sense. The heel was still there in case he ever wanted to flip. Um, you know, because I always say why don't why doesn't Kevin Von Erich wear shoes? Oh, because he doesn't like heels. So uh, that's it- a classic wrestling joke. I love writing wrestling jokes. I love, you know, yeah. So I, I did some stand up, Yeah. Which I want to talk to you totally about. So yes, continue. I, I opened, I opened for Mick Foley and my, my opening joke was always, I mean, I hate like doing a joke for you, but I'll no, 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 Bob Jeepers. Oh, I want one. Let's, let's do it. This between friends, between comedian <laughs> friends here. Let's hear it. Yeah. Hold on. I have to think of it. Um, 
uh, so I would say that like everyone likes to open up to me, uh, you know, especially on my podcast. And my girlfriend was saying, um, I'm having hard, to, uh, life is really hard for me. I don't know what to do. I've hit rock bottom. I don't know what to do next. And I said, that's easy. People's elbow. There it is. That is, that is a great joke. There oh my is. God. Um, okay. I'm Delicious. just trying to think of, uh, it's much better than here's, here's, here's a, here's one. Um, can you tag it? Oh, no, no, I can't. I, I no, well, not with anything after people's elbow. Um, <laughs> roll up what you know? a lot of steroids yeah oh <laughs> yes of course now it's ridiculous eh? um but so anyway, i don't know I, what to do next i would say human growth hormone oh yes 100 mm. um my i have one that's uh how do you know and maybe you might know this because you spent time in japan but how do you know that bullet club likes to play uh golf how do I know that Bullet Club likes to play golf? Um, something about you you put a hole in one. No, because they always replace their divots. There it is. Little inside, a little inside. <laughs> I, I, I wanted okay. to I, I was on a Dolph divots. Ziggler show one night and uh Finn Balor showed up and he did a pedigree joke and I like tried to chase him down so I could tell him my awful wrestling pun. <laughs> And I didn't catch him, but it, but it's about you. <laughs> Wait, uh, Prince David or Finn? He got on stage with Dolph. Yeah, well, he got on stage and did one joke uh, on the Dolph Ziggler show, and they brought him on, and everybody went nuts. And he told one pun. It was about something about Hunter Hearst Helmsley saving animals in a burning uh, pet store. But he wouldn't touch something because of the didn't have pedigree. It pedi pedigree was worked in there. I can't remember the joke, but um, it was just but one joke, and then he was gone. Minds. Oh, everybody lost their minds. Yeah. Hold totally. on, I have. I wrote down wrestling puns. Do you want to hear these? Yes, I yes. do want to hear. First of all, can I just can I, okay? Yes, and then I'll just put Sorry, mine in between. Me. So go ahead. Yes. Okay, these I, I, because I used to do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I think I wanted to start off my show with a pun a night, but I got too scared to do it. I watched it last. I watched one of them last night. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, fantastic. I've always wanted to do that. Festival. I've always wanted to do that fringe. Yeah. yeah. Yes. All right. Here we go. Uh, oh my God! Hold on. I painted my face before a match, and I was concerned it didn't look good. Someone said, "Colt, you're like the ultimate warrior." There we go. Um, I lost a match last week because I hit my opponent with vanilla ice cream and pieces of Oreo. It was a DQ. That's great. That's great. <laughs> oh, awful. I witnessed my yeah. friends. I witnessed my friend's bird die because it tried drinking my hot chocolate. I warned him, Coco, beware. Yeah. I could see that coming. It was great. Nice. <laughs> uh, Ricky Steamboat's Ricky Steamboat put put fish nets all the way up. To both his elbows, he's super into arm drags. <laughs> he is. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. Yeah, style. very like much it. a stretch. These were. Go on. Uh, hold on. This trend, it would have worked. You just got to lean in. All you do is yeah. just lean in real hard, right? It's because I think it still works. I haven't read these in so long, so I really don't know what they are. So I'm kind of scared reading them, but I, I'll continue. Uh, <laughs> Shane McMahon jerked off and ejaculated two dimes and a nickel. What's the punchline? What is the punchline? 15. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. I was yeah, like, oh, thank that's you. So fucking horrible. Okay, wait, uh, wait. I, I got one here. Here's. I'll go just ahead. say this. 
as I was watching the incredible match between um, between the two girls last night, uh, uh, Jeepers, uh, Britt Brit Baker and uh, Thunder Rosa, I was wondering, because Thunder Rosa won and was kind of the aggressor, before going into a match like that, how much does she, does she think? And even when she does, do they call her Ponderosa? That's that knocked worst. my that what about, knocked my camera over. <laughs> what, what about that? Like, uh, you Th- Thunder Rosa had so much at stake last night. They called her Ponderosa. That's a better joke. That is a better right? joke. Yes, that's how it's done. That is how it's done. That <laughs> is what's called a, a, we workshop. That's a punch up. That is a punch up <laughs> right there. I just uh, Cole Cabana just punched up my joke. Jeff McHenry. That's my roommate. He's in the far end, far east. So, but not there. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess we. Do. How did you like doing comedy? Did you? Did you? Were you? Were you into that? <laughs> how, how would you judge it differently from wrestling? Like other than getting the the, the whole bumps. And how, how how would you? Well, uh, yeah. So like, not long story short, but uh, I've always loved comedy. Obsessed with alternative comedy too. I've loved the scene kind of for a long time. And when I was fired by WWE, I was like. I think I'm going to try to dive into comedy with wrestling because like, I was like, well, my dream's gone now. I still want to wrestle, but obviously I can't like make it to the pinnacle anymore. So maybe I'll try to do some comedy and then like kind of do both and just have fun with the worlds. And so when I started kind of just like mixing in a, or when I started like playing on stage, not for as a wrestler, I, I realized that like um, the way I would mathematically put together matches is the same way that I would understand, I guess, how to do a set or how to do um, comedy. So like, I used a lot of my wrestling psychology and promo psychology to try, like, I, I think I had a, a head up or a, a, you know, I was a bit, I had a step forward before, you know, people just doing open nights or, or open mics or whatever. Open mics, yeah, and exactly. yeah, and I do love, I just love performance. I So the ultimate answer for me was just mixing the, the two, was mixing the world of, comedy and wrestling and i think first first and foremost i love doing pro wrestling and doing comedy and pro wrestling like that's where i get that's where i get off i guess the most is when i could do a match and make jokes and make people laugh and it's all in the context of wrestling so yeah. uh performing on stage is still a little nerve-wracking for me if i'm out of my element like if i go and do shows in chicago where or where i used to go do shows in chicago where like they don't know me so that's kind of scary. But like if I went and did a tour with Mick Foley or if I go and do like my live podcast, like it's so fun and so easy. So but I do understand, you know, it's fun to feel the nerves again. Something I hadn't felt in, you know, whatever it was, 20 years, like when you go on stage and you're just another comic. It is true. And I I, I, I often say that, um, like, you know, I'm well, as a big wrestling nerd, I would often say that the two are so similar that, you know, like building that building a set is very much like building a wrestling match. You know, you have to you, sometimes you start, OK, my closers right here and I know what I'm starting with and I know what I'm doing in the middle. Well, sometimes I might improvise till I get to the middle or I might have it like Macho Man step by step by step, everything written down possible. Um, I just love that. And I love I love taking Kaufmanism who I think Andy was the first one that took wrestling theory and applied it to comedy and vice versa. And I think like, you know, um, you, it's just you some of the stuff that he does. Like I love after like when he, 
like I'll do stupid things after my show. I'll say I did like a oh I did a fireman calendar. I'll talk about it and people think it's funny because I'm a fat guy and I, you know the idea of me doing a fireman calendar is ridiculous. But then after the show, I'm handing out fireman calendars that are like a year old. <laughs> so the joke actually goes, oh, my God, it was a joke. And they take it home with them. And that's my milk and cookies. Like Andy Kaufman would say, I wish we could all go out for milk and cookies. And everybody would laugh. And then after the show, there'd be buses there for everybody to go out for milk and cookies. He just took it a step farther. <laughs> and I always like the idea of misdirection and surprise. And I like storytelling. And those are all elements of wrestling. I, I do a fireman's carry, so <laughs> we're close. They're they're very similar. They're very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Misdirection is the big thing, and and, and not that like because I'm no, I mean, like I do consider myself an expert in comedy when it comes to in the ring, but obviously not on stage, uh, or or not you know just in that art form of either stand up or improv. Mm-hmm. But I I do it in the world of wrestling, and it is it is about misdirection, and then um. Yeah, that's. I think that's something that I've taken from both, uh, both of them. Um, sadly, I, uh, me and my friend Sarah Shockey. I don't know if that name sounds familiar. She does a podcast with my friend Marty DeRosa, who's a great stand-up in Chicago. I know of uh, the Sarah and Marty podcast. Yeah. Yes. S- Sarah and I. Uh, I think it was uh, very late February. We had started a show called uh, Sarah uh, Co- uh, Sarah uh, Cole Cabana gets taught improv by Sarah Shockey or whatever it is. So um, like early on when I was trying to do improv, um, I didn't really like like the basic, like basic bitchness of it, um, of just improv. <laughs> like the rules. And I, yeah, it's just like how like, how tacky it kind of was. Um, yeah, 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 okay. I but I, I love great improv. Great improv is the best, mm-hmm. but um and then also I was like, I was just so hesitant. Like I wasn't, I know I wasn't being Cole Cabana. I was being, you know, Scott or whatever. So like it, it wasn't, it felt very scary. So I was just like, I love when I'm able to fuck off and just be in my own element. So we started a show and we we're going to do it monthly and I wanted to grow it. And it was so fun. We did it a couple of times of where essentially she's teaching me improv on the stage and I'm allowed to like, nice. I'm allowed to stop the scene at any time and be like, I don't know what's going on or, you know, and that's part of the, co- it's like, comedy in comedy and stuff and so like yeah. that's where uh we had so much fun doing it because i could i personally could not fail because me failing is a is the show me going like wait <laughs> wait hold on what are you tagging in for i don't get what this scene is mm-hmm. and then that becomes the show and so then i'm in my element of like because i believe like in wrestling my improv is my great one of my greatest strengths i'm so it's so fun for me but i know i know that like i'm I have a hundred percent control. So if I'm in a show where uh, the control is not knowing what you're doing, um, then I am now like metaphorically, I'm now back in control. So uh, that's mm-hmm. like, like it was, I, and, and so essentially COVID took it all away. I was so looking forward to just like having my own monthly show in Chicago with Sarah and building something the yeah. same way we, you know, the podcast or whatever. And you, your podcast is like, you're, I would say like, without hesitation that you're the mark Marin of wrestling podcasts you were the first guy to really have one as far as i knew and the first one that was a big one that everybody listened to and so thank you for paving you know that way i think uh you know because you know they're not i don't know of any other wrestler that was doing a podcast before you so no, nobody 
inside wrestling was doing it consistently. You know, like for years, like Dr. Tom had like a blog talk radio or even D-Lo, but like there was no consistency to it. Yeah. And I think, I think when Marin and even like Jimmy Dore and um, Never Not Funny, like when they, when you, when you like understood like, oh, here's like a produced real show that they're, they're thinking about it as it real, not just calling someone over a phone. Yeah. Um, and they're in the business and they're talking to other people about the business. It really clicked for me. And uh, yeah, nobody was doing it to that extent who was in the business. And like, I wasn't, in WWE at that point, but I was, I had been in WWE. So it's like, I had, you know, I was part of the business as, as, as part as you're going to be. And, uh, and so that, that's why people took it seriously and took note of it. But I was afraid to being like, um, you know, as wrestlers and I here, I'm sure as comedians, you guys are all like, look at these fucking marks, you know, look at, look at these dumb comedians, like, Look at him start, you know, back in the day for you. I'm like, look at this guy starting a website. Oh, no, get get, no, not at all. You're full of yourself. Right. Um, but I'm saying like that's that's how comedians oh would say comedians backstage are to people. totally like that. Like yes, even even I see it on Facebook all the time. Like it's like oh you only have seven minutes. Why are you getting business cards? You know and yes. stuff like that. Yes. Like it's just like well, mind your own business. You know. Yes. So the fear was like everyone's gonna be like look at this nerd like talk like we don't talk to each other. We let other we let nerds talk to us or we let you know <laughs> internet journalists talk to us. Like we don't we're not the interviewers, and so. You know, it was about me, like, you know, talking to myself and being like, uh, like, who cares what they say? Like, you, you know, this works because look at how, look at how great, look how, de look how much you love listening to Marin or, or, or Never Not Funny or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and so I knew it was proven. It just hadn't been proven in wrestling, but I knew that I knew it was proven. Yeah, it totally was. And then it's, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the others, like, before you knew it, they were like, all of a sudden, it was like flooded with like JR's podcast and Cornette's podcast and Jericho's well, podcast. Like these are all the podcasts that are like. Uh, and then the you know like my buddies we watch wrestling. I didn't. There were two hundred episodes in before I even knew anything <laughs> about them. Their, about their uh, show. And yeah, Austin. Austin was the one. So Austin started doing like Corolla yeah. as a guest, and I think he saw the potential in it. And then, so he actually had reached out to me and was like, ask, and I helped him like, here's the Zoom you buy, you know, like all the material. And so when Austin started doing it, essentially that's like the coolest kid in town is doing a thing. Now every wrestler or everyone in wrestling was like, oh, this is acceptable. So yeah. I had like three years of like, maybe this isn't acceptable. But once Austin started, then it became acceptable. And then right, Jericho, Jim Ross, everyone, it all started coming down. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Don't don't ever let anybody take that credit away from you because I know sometimes Jericho likes to say he's the first on everything, and <laughs> yeah, uh, you know I, he might try to claim that uh, talk is Jericho might have been first or bigger, but you know it's uh, it's it, it's not. It's it's a great show in its own, but uh, you know I, you don't have flat earthers on your show, so you know there's uh, <laughs> you like oh it's well <laughs> if you look back at. <laughs> If you look back at the archives, Drake were Drake Younger was on my show. Oh, was he? Okay. Uh, oh, so and a couple <laughs> others, a couple others. So I, I find flat earthers delightful, guys. I'm sorry, <laughs> they're they're hilarious. It's funny. Come on. I know. So, like, that's the thing: is the pizza looks like it's a sphere, but it's actually flat as well. So that's my proof. Um, I know. I, I want to ask you: what are the differences? Oh, how good is pizza, though. Hey, what are the differences? Oh. 
between like because you've wrestled in, from everywhere from the WWE to New Japan. How different is the wrestling style in New Japan in contrast to the WWE? Because is it as crazy as I think it is, or is it not that crazy at all? You know, I I just think everyone's paranoid in the WWE. So I, I think essentially you could wrestle whatever style you wanted to. In New Japan, you wrestle however you want to. Like, the, essentially, that's what got you to the dance, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like the way I wrestled is the way I wrestled. And uh, I wrestled Yano in, in Chicago, and people loved it. And that started opening the doors. And eventually, you know, Yano and I became a tag team in New Japan. And that's because I wrestled that way. And we fit together. And it was just meant to be, you know. Uh, I, I think... I, you know, I, I kind of wrestled my own style in OVW and FCW. I toned it down a little bit, um, but that was of my own demise. Nobody was said you had to tone it down is because I was in my own head a little bit. So I, I think it's just the wrestlers getting in their own head um, and realizing if they want to be part of this giant corporate system that is, you know, it's become so corporatized. And so everyone has become so scared of the top guy that they all justify in their own head. And I, I can't talk for everybody, but this is just kind of what I feel is that a lot of people justify in their own head. Like this is the style we have to wrestle in order to make this one person happy who will be the one person that puts me in the main event who will make me a millionaire. Yeah. I, you know, it's just uh, it's a, well, Hey, I like that they're different because I like that. I like the, the difference between WWE and AEW. I like the difference between WWE and new Japan. I like having options of what wrestling I want to watch and uh you know and like even on this show we talk a lot more about aew and new japan these days than we do about uh about wwe although even well but then you know wrestlemania will happen and that's all we're going to talk about but but it's just like uh i just think it's a great time for wrestling because there's so many options on on what you want to watch and once it opens all back up again you know the touring like War of the Worlds was just supposed to come back to Toronto again when COVID shut everything down, and uh, you know, and and I missed WrestleMania that year, like last year, which sucked and everything like that. So I just, uh, you know, I'm just hoping, like, well, they're saying by next WrestleMania everything should be okay, but uh, I'm gonna wait till LA myself uh, before before things get going crazy. Um, I also wanted to ask you. Now, with COVID here and everybody breathing masks, now maybe this is a question more for Matt Classic. Um, (laughs) How hard is it to wrestle with a mask on? Because if people can't breathe with them on and not wrestle, what's it like having a mask on and wrestling a match with a mask on as compared to Uh, not? Well, if you look at like, yeah, a little bit. But if you look at like a mask that El Generico had, like it's all, he's got an open mouth. So like, yeah, I think the goal is to kind of keep those mouths open uh, so you're able to breathe. I think that's the key. I, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, because I wrestled in a blindfold match once. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was much like remember Jake Roberts versus uh, Rick Martell. Remember they put the bags over their head? Yes. Yeah, so I wrestled in one of those for like 300 people in a in a promotion called Dreamwave Wrestling in LaSalle, Illinois. And basically we did nothing right there was like no bumps taken it was it should have been the easiest match i've ever had in my life and if you look back at it and you watch it you'd be like that's the easiest match you've ever had in your life but the the bag they bought didn't breathe oh (laughs) so you know like it, it, it couldn't go through like the material that they had so i 
I honestly thought I was going to pass out during the match. And like, I had this big, like come to whatever moment of like, well, do I just quit this match in the middle of the match? Or do I try to like, you know, like, do I ru just run out or how do I do this? And like, obviously the crazy performer in me is like, I, I tried to tough it out and finish the match, but I remember like secretly opening it up, like, so I could breathe. It was, it was so rough. And like, I, I feel I don't know. I feel like if I if I had gone any longer, I wasn't able to kind of sneak it up. I probably would have passed out for it's sure. Crazy. It sounds like the promoter was trying to low key just just kind of just take but, you yeah. out. <laughs> just oh listen, go out in the ring. He'll, he'll die a hero. I'd be, yeah, die. A, I'd be too. There's a hit on me actually. Cheapers, I'd be too claustrophobic. A bag, like yeah, like that's just crazy. And then yeah, so no, no thanks. Yeah, in the know. back, in the back, it seemed like I put it on. I was like, yeah, this will be fine, but. Once all my oxygen and then, like, you know, I'm, I'm sweating, like all the scientific things came and, uh, you know, started happening. I was like, oh, this is this doesn't mix well. Now, you brought up idea. Uh, Generico and like you were in a ring of honor at a time when like, you know, where it was just awesome. Like there is so many like all it hasn't been poached from NXT yet. Like all those guys were all still there. Uh, did you know that like. Some of them were going to go on to to the levels that they like. Did you know when you were wrestling Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson that he would that the yes movement that he would get to bang a Bella? Did you know he would get that big? Like, <laughs> did you know that everybody would be cheering him and he would be uh, equal to John Cena at, at at a point in his career? Like, was that on the table? Like, did you could you see that when you were wrestling him? Um, yeah, so I, re I wrestled for Ring of Honor from 2002 to 2007, and then from like 2009 to 2012, and then 2015 to 2019. So I've been there for a lot of different stages. Um, but yeah, I used, you know, uh, there was a point where we were all just like underpaid, shitty scrub wrestlers. And like, we all knew that we were great, you know, especially that 2002 to 2007 era. Like, everyone was like why claudio is so good cesaro yeah. is so good like how do how does wwe not see this i it was so crazy that no one saw it and i used to compare brian to lufez like you know i i he was the greatest he was just like and at a, before he got signed to wwe and he finally you know did what he did i was just like even at that point i was like he'll be known as one of the greatest of his generation he's one of the greatest wrestlers and it'll be an amazing story that like, you know, is, isn't told, but is told like, he'll just be the ultimate underground wrestler of all time for just for how great he is. And um, especially cause he was, you know, at that point he had even done like new Japan um, uh, dome shows and, and, um, and he was like an underground star, even though he wasn't. So um, yeah, it was of no surprise. I think we all knew, but we all knew the system wouldn't let it happen. So I guess that's kind of the other part of his, is we knew that they were the best but we knew this for some reason, the system only liked Mark Jindrax and Chuck Palumbo's, you know, that's so it's again, is very similar to comedy. Cause like I came up in Ottawa, uh, John Doerr is one of my best friends. He came, we came up together, but you knew John had, a he had it. He had a fact, he had something that, that other people could see, uh, that they didn't see in me, obviously, but you know, but, and, oh, and like, you know, and like, and yeah. So when I came up in Ottawa, the two guys, like Tom Green, skyrocketed. And then John Doerr would eventually just sort of, you know, tiptoe behind chug him away. and chug away the at it. loves a lanky Ottawa resident. Pe if you're tall, lanky from the Ottawa River Valley, baby, you're going to be able to bang a Barrymore. But you, that's, <laughs> your that's your fall down there, Case. 
But you know, yeah. But I don't mind. Hey, John put me in his last show, which leads to this conversation. Which I yeah, said to John, amazing. I said to John, I was like, "Do you know Cole Cabana? Have you been holding out on me?" He's like, "I, I don't think I do know Cole Cabana." I don't either. And I was like, "I was like, well, you should, you should know him." <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. So I, I'm gonna try to get you the DVDs for CBC Gems, so you don't have to. Uh, pirate it. I'll try to get you a copy of them as well because let me tell uh, you, yeah, because yeah, I have copies coming my way. There's so many good shows that you guys have yet to discover in the United Ooh. States from Canada. Do yourself a favor, get yourself Nirvana the band the show. Ooh, laugh until you're. Balls. I think I've heard of it actually. It is fucking. It's the best show to come out of Canada now. Last- Hundred years. <laughs> I've heard of I've heard of Nirvana the band the show, but I've never heard of Nirvana the band the show. Okay. Oh wow! He's picking on my accent now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. Like, is it Colt Cabana or is it Colt Cabana? Just trying to acclimate. I'm just a poor British immigrant trying to acclimate and sound like the locals. And this just is a, what I get. A small town boy. Um, all right, I'm going to talk like this now for the rest of the tour. Before, all right, Cole, is this fine? Is this better? Let's <laughs> do it like this. All right. All right. Cheers, mate. Uh, I'm, writing, I'm writing down Nirvana, the band, the show. The, um, yeah, you're going to love it. Trust me. It's hilarious. Before you came on, we were discussing video games. And um, we, were, we were discussing. Before I came in your box. Before you came in my box, we were discussing <laughs> WrestleFest, which, uh, as I understand, you're going to do the commentary for the new video game WrestleFest, or is that it's something? It's already out, and it's I've out? been playing it on my Twitch. It's, it's okay. That's what we're talking about. And yeah. who is your go-to tag team on WrestleFest? Oh, which one was WrestleFest? DB. I mean, I haven't played these things in fucking 25 years. It's like Action Smash. Uh, Ibiasi. And yeah. Could you be Andre? You No, you couldn't. I don't no. think Andre was in the video game. Or was, was he? he? He was just in that promo with DiBiase, maybe. Yes, I think so. At the end or whatever. But I would, I would always take Mister Perfect and Big Boss Man. He mm. would take Ultimate Warrior and who else? Jake Roberts. Jake, Jake Roberts. Roberts. Mm. Is there never a tag team that you played with? I, I, I demolition was also very good. It was so long ago. I, I Mister Perfect probably. I was always a Mister Perfect fan. How could you not be? It's impossible. Uh, I was a Kurt Henning fan even before Mr. Perfect. So now, now my friend the other day found some stuff that did say that his name was Henning. I N G. Uh, it's a big debate. I don't know where you fall on that. Is it Hennig or Henning? I as long as I'm known, it's okay. Henning. I N G. Right. So I think I think I it's Henning. Yeah, the, there you go. Let, I'll let you fight it See, out. See, this is a Bernstein Bears situation now. Nirvana, Nirvana. Are you tomato, saying? Tomato. Are you saying this is the Macho Mandela situation happening? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Macho Mandela effect. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. That's a Macho Mandela effect. It's like it sure uh, it's like Marty Jannetty was never kicked through any window. He was kicked in the head by Shawn Michaels, and then he was tossed through the window. Oh yeah, that's. But everybody uh, says. Sean kicked him through the window. And that's nah. the, the Macho Mandela effect is in effect there. I don't say that. I don't say that. So uh, I just said uh, Sinbad was just on AEW in a tag match. No. Yeah. <laughs> he went through some tables and then disappeared from an ambulance. I would say ambulance, though. Because I, it's called Kazam. The effect. Oh, did, <laughs> yeah, like, did, did Cody, I was going to say, Cody Rhodes' slam Casey. of. of 
of Cody Rhodes' slam of 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 uh, Shazam, Kazam, of uh, Shaquille O'Neal, did he not do the measurements? Because I don't even think it's physically possible to get. Right. Can you get his Shaquille? head would sweep. His head would sweep on the ground, wouldn't it? Yeah, because he, he got him up to the halfway, but he couldn't turn him, and it just reminded me of Lex Luger and his dad when Luger couldn't put his dad up in the torture rack, and Dusty would be like falling off. There was like several matches. In oh, WCW. Jesus! I thought you said Lex Luger had tried to torture well, Rack. Dad. His own no, Lex Luger's dad. I was like, when did Lex Luger's dad? <laughs> A torture rack wouldn't help now. It's, you'd be hanging. Was that from a, a Judy wheelchair. Bagwell, Luke, Mr. Luger situation? No. I, <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, yeah, it very much reminded me, I guess, of Hogan and Andre, right? Like, but he, Hogan did it better. Oh well, so. that that Sam is 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 uh, is is incredible. Uh, so how well Hogan Sam? Because it was like the perfect, it was a perfect slam of the biggest man ever in the sport. Correct. And uh, I would have loved to have tried it and failed miserably in front of a capacity crowd. Well, he That's did one that of my too. Dreams, I think is to get into a wrestling ring and then try to body slam somebody, even like the small, try to body slam Marco stunt. I want to try to do that. I'm six, three, 300 pounds. And I just want to fail miserably at it. If he sits down on you, you can't do it. Hard. Yeah. I think as yeah, a wrestler, we, we know how to control our body enough where I, he could probably make you fuck it up. I bet. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. But I just, I just want to do it for the reaction of the crowd. You know, I just want them to be like this. Look at that big pussy. I saw. Boo, boo him. I saw <laughs> Marty stunt walking down the street uh, before a, a GCW card in LA one time, and he was smoking a cigarette. And I was like, "Well, that answers everything." There you it wonder. Is. I'm like, "Stunt, your growth has been stunted, Marty stunt." And like, and then that night he got. Uh, well, that was a crazy night because he got. Uh, he and got was carried that his brother? Out. This was the night where he got carried out on his on a uh, on a table because the, he hit. He got he got back body dropped off the riser, I think, and hit the floor, and it was like just not a good smack. It's the same night as David Arquette and uh, Nick Gage, so it was the most. I didn't know. I know Marco has a brother Logan. I didn't know he had a brother Marty though. Oh no no no! I meant Marco. Sorry, that's what I meant. Okay. Sometimes I call him Marty. I got my Martys and my Marcos mixed up. Um, everyone does. The Ottawa River Valley. From Ottawa. You, you thought you thought Nirvana Nirvana was a mispronunciation. I go from Marco to Marty. <laughs> and then Paul Reiser was there at the show in L.A. No, no, we were on the Riser. It was oh. at the David Arquette oh, man. neck slicing night. Which I and that's where they gave away David Arquette next next slices. They gave away the David Arquette's Pez dispensers <laughs> that night. Yeah, for oddly. the first two hundred people. Chris Hero was handing them out after the match with his Chris Hero shirts that he couldn't sell because yes. he was Cassisono at the time. So uh, it was it was that night was insane because I didn't know Jungle Boy was was Dylan McKay's son, and I didn't know that that he was there and he drove. David Arquette to the hospital, and I was like, "You saw the movie." It was the well, I didn't see the movie. I was there the night it happened, and I was like, "This is the craziest story I've ever heard in my life." <laughs> so I'm in the movie. Uh, I, I, my, I, there's a couple scenes where I'm in, like, uh, I'm like right at the, I'm on the riser where you, you know, saw the you, know, you see him screaming, "Oh my god!" 
God, his neck. Check his neck. You can I see. His neck you literally back. see. Vi- you can literally see Vince and Matt McCarthy take off once the fluorescent light bulbs come out. But I didn't know anything about breathing them in because I've never been to an ECW card. So because we I live in Canada. <laughs> And, and so so it was like, I'm just there breathing it all in. I'm the only guy left on the riser. And there was one part where he came up holding his neck, and I was, like, looking directly at him, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what the hell's going on? That was just the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, thinking of that, though, uh, I wanted to ask you, because uh, I know you've wrestled in PWG as well, how did you like wrestling at the Legion? How hot is it when you wrestled there? And how hot did you, did you, were you ever in a match where you found it to be just comfortable? Well, I, listen, I've wrestled in the weirdest places ever. That's like my, that, that was my claim to fame for 20 years is just wrestling in the weirdest places. So it was of no difference, but you could tell there was something special there at the Legion. And then I like how, you know, I was there at the very first days of the Legion where Larry was just fucking annoying as shit. And I like, (laughs) How years later he became a cult legend, I guess. He's the, he uh, has his own card, his own wrestling yeah. card, Legion Larry. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, and I remember Super Dragon just being like so annoyed with him because he had all these like weird rules, but his building was cheap and he, he wanted the wrestling there because the beer made money, but he, he also had all these rules that he wanted implemented and Super Dragon was just like, God, this guy's got to fuck off. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the place was fun. Um I guess in winter in winter times, uh, it was probably okay weather to wrestle in. Yeah, I was there. I guess I was there in October or November. I was there for one of the All Star weekends, and I saw. Oh my God, the match was fantastic! It was Ricochet versus uh, Chuck Taylor, and uh, but also on the card was Walter and uh, Zack Saber Jr., which was like also just incredible matches. Uh, just the just the energy in that room was special. And uh, it's just too bad that the whole building's gone now. So it, it's just crazy. So, um, yeah, I just I wanted to ask what it's like to wrestle there because I know it's going – I could. I remember I turned my seat backwards, and I was, Matt McCarthy was the one who brought me, and he was like, don't do that. You're going to get in trouble. Turn turn your seat back the other way. But I was like – Like soup, soup Nazi shit? Yeah, yeah. But I was like, but how <laughs> am I going to be able to get – like if the, if the action – like we're second row rate like whether anywhere you go wrestlers could land on you at any second i was like how do i know he goes always have your hand on your chair don't lose your chair you know he's (laughs) like they'll they'll take your chair and they'll use it in a match and then you'll have nowhere to sit so you know it's like i was there dollars thrown away (laughs) i was there with the best person possible to teach me the ins and outs of how to handle a pwg card uh, which is which is fantastic, fantastic, and I, and I think it, what's cool about that place is also there was many celebrities who were roaming in and out of that place, and um, and, and I loved the dichotomy of like there was uh, whatever her name was, Sophia Vergard, and the, yeah. and, the and the and the girl from Community, and and just over the years there were so many people, but they're all like, hey, you ain't special, you're fucking. You, you know, just as much as the guy who's been coming to all the shows for years who just happens to be coming here. Like, it is a special place because of – it's a special place because of those regulars and, those like, just the normal wrestling folk who's been supporting wrestling for years. And they don't care if you're the guitarist for Tool. And they don't, don't care if you're fuck. Ron Jeremy sleeping besides right. Meltzer in the front row. Like, <laughs> why, Ron Jeremy just sleeps anywhere he goes. I've, I've like, there he goes to the comedy store in L.A. They're, they just put him in the back and he just sleeps. 
I, I saw him know. sleeping at the gathering at the Juggalos. Did you really? So he, oh, yeah. I, he, uh, yeah, he'll I'd love go. To check one of those out, man. Those look like a crazy good time. <laughs> They're the best. Those Juggalos look like they could fucking party every time. <laughs> You'd fit right in. I, well, I probably. I'm a, I'm a big fucking dude that smokes weed. Just give me some face paint and some Fago. Let's fucking go to town. You they wear jerseys. Love me. Give me a. Oh no, I'm not really a jersey guy. I'm just a backwards fitted cap guy. Because you need jerseys. I got jerseys. I got enough hockey no, jerseys and football dog, jerseys. Like dog sweaters. I like dog sweaters and stuff. Like big cutesy stuff. I like playing against my look. You know what I mean? A big dude wearing a cute puppy. Oh, it's adorable. <laughs> no? Okay, fine. Yeah, it's that's cute. all right. I just like to look like Forrest Gump when he stopped running. That's pretty much what my look is. That's the you're fucking alien, man. I look like you in the past with astigmatism. (laughs) My beard is like a better color. Well, no, you got you got like a Santa beard. Um, I wanted to ask you. So they so always say, or there's the there's the there's the belief that in AEW there's they they say they don't have writers, but um after the the botch and the explosion. It seemed to me some writing had to be done, and it was done awfully quickly, and it was done very, very, very well. Uh, just give the mic to Eddie Kingston, and you know he'll make things better. And I, I that's kind of what happened after the Revolution pay per view. Uh, but what, like, was after that happened, was there any discussion on how are we going to fix this? How are we going to save this? What are we going to say? Where are we going to take the story from here? You know, because that would technically constitute as writing, would it not? But I don't know. Like, how does it how does it run? Or is it be behind the curtain? Should we not yeah, see? No, but you you let the creative types be creative. Yes. And so, uh, and you let the the creative types who've been in doing that creativity for years be the ones that lead the charge, not somebody you hire from fucking Friends who's never even seen a wrestling show. Okay, that makes 100%. <laughs> and so you go, you you sit down with, with John and you sit down with, uh, you know, I, you know, I wasn't in it, but I, I, I'm, I know how this process works because this is how we've been doing it for our stuff and whatever. It's just, it's Moxley, it's Kingston, it's probably a couple other people. It's Tony, it's, Co- you know, it's Cody and y'all sit down and you brainstorm a little bit. And whoever's the most passionate about it probably is the one who wins it. You know, like is that is that kind of like the way that they would do uh, being the elite as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the Dark Order. We have like a we have um, a group text, and we're kind of throwing out ideas. It's a writers' room. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. uh, like years ago, uh, actually, this is very a funny, kind of a funny story. Um, uh, we were in, I was in Calgary, Alberta, and I was rooming with uh, Rory Scoville at the time and uh john called me and he wanted to get us on his show but i was like on tour and there's no way i could happen and then we said when does your show start and his show started a week from the our telephone call uh the old john door television show and uh which ran for like three seasons up here in canada and on ifc in america um so anyway john said he'd try to get us on the show but we told him don't worry rory and i have our own show and then we just started videotaping our we like we have to have our own show before tomorrow night and we got to air it before his so we can live up to what we just said so we taped a 10 minute short called the apartment but we overshot and then we just kept film we anyways we ended up doing seven episodes of this web series and that's where i met Vince Averill and Rory Scoville on the same tours they would both open for me 
we say best friends till now, but the the apartment was when I watched the Being the Elite, I'm like, this is so much like the apartment. We're like, what are we gonna do today? Well, today this is where the story is. Let's just do the scene and go to the next one. And we, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have any writers or anything. We just thought, what's gonna happen? Okay, how are we gonna get there? And then go and shoot it. And uh, it's one of the to this day, it's one of the best things I've ever done in my career. And being the elite. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> the apartment. So uh, I wish I could do being the elite. Like, my <laughs> God, I know I've got peep friends hooked on to being the elite that don't even watch wrestling. They just watch <laughs> being the elite and they love it. So it, it, it's always they still not watch the wrestling. They just watch being the elite. And then it comes to the wrestling. They're like, no, I don't like violence. I just yeah. I love the story. The matches are too <laughs> long. I just like what happens behind the story, you know? Yeah, so, I love it, man. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, AEW as a product. It's actually, it's funny because during the pandemic, I've had to, because I was based in Montreal, I was doing comedy in Montreal, uh, and during the pandemic, all my, all the events have stopped, so all my earning went away, um, so we moved back to Ontario, uh, where I'm from, I moved in uh, my folks, uh, with my folks, and I've gotten into watching wrestling again with my dad, because of AEW, which is really cool. Nice. Uh, we try to watch uh, WWE, it's like, I don't like that fucking circus, turn it off. Uh, he likes you guys because it's like it's good wrestling, uh, and he enjoys it a lot. And it's it's been a it's been a really cool kind of uh, resurgence. Do you find that like the fan base is that kind of uh, people connecting with wrestling, or do you find it's it's these people that are are you stealing kind of viewers or stealing eyes from the current? WWE I, I think product? it's all based off of. You know, there was a movement by a bunch of us independent wrestlers that the Young Bucks really tapped into the hardest or like or or went for the hardest. And those fans who were just needed an alternative and wanted an alternative and didn't like what was up there fucking flocked to the independent scene. And, you know, like, you know, I was I had my grasp on the independent scene for a long time. But then, you know, the Bucks kind of just overtook it all. And they like collected the wrestling fans even more of like, these are, Hey, this is a scene. This is alternative wrestling. I I was going to say like alt comedy, alt wrestling. And then, you know, it just, it took for, you know, Tony Khan. And so now coming on TV, um, yes, like people will allow shift over and whatever, but the basis of it all is still those people who wanted something different and yeah, it'll shy a little bit away and it'll start moving towards a little bit of like, corporate or mainstream but i think the foundation is still there and i think they're you know aw is well aware of why they were built and how they were built and so that's what keeps it strong and that's what keeps the fans who they are and again i think it's like it's like at a comedy show or at a wrestling show um you know if people are you know if people are wearing bullet club shirts then other people are gonna be like what's bullet club and then they're gonna be educated by those fans and they're gonna start wearing those shirts so i think it's the same thing with aew it's like What's AEW? Well, here's what AEW. It's based off of this. These guys, the best matches. Kenny Omega was a legend in Japan. Came over here. Tony's got money. He made it happen. He had a, you know. So you kind of you feel that lore. It all kind of, you know, it's because it does have a great origin story. So you know, hopefully that sticks with it a long time. I can't wait yeah, for no, for things to clean up and for you guys to tour as well. And I hope you consider, uh, like, when it comes to Toronto and you're thinking of venues, I hope you just go to the amphitheater. And just do it there, much like you're doing it in the amphitheater that you're doing it in now. Because I love the setup that you guys have. 
And it, with the amphitheater, with the people in it, it just makes sense to have that stage and have this where the pit is to have the ring and just set it up exactly like it is now. And, um, you know, and just have it outside on a Tuesday afternoon or, or Tuesday night or whenever you tour. So, you know, um, I'm excited I'll about tell it. You where, I'll tell you where I won't go. Where's that? I won't go to the comedy bar in Toronto. That guy never re- returned my mess in my emails ever. What? No. what? <laughs> ever. Really? Constantly wanted to do a show there. Everybody said, go do a show at the comedy bar. They're the best. Never returned my. Look, Apparently, he likes wrestling too. Hey, I, what's that's that? crazy. Well, then, well, Gary Ryder, you, you missed out. Lunch show. You want to, next time you come here to Toronto, you want to come to Toronto do a show. We'll set it up for you. We'll get the okay. venue, and we'll, okay. we'll we'll get it. We'll get it sold out, uh, no doubt, because uh, there are plenty of other rooms to do venues in in Toronto, and uh, and yeah, like it's it's a no brainer. So all right, one hundred. I love to hear it. Screw you, comedy bar. <laughs> no wait, don't, don't say that. I like them. They're, they're Sorry, I'm not Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, well, Whoa. he he has done shows there, and actually, I know he comes into town That's and he it. goes there oh, and he man. hangs out there now. He hangs out there, and it's crazy. crazy. So honestly, you know. the comedy bar, I can't like. I moved back to Toronto. Like, what sucks is I put a lot of time in in a different city. Like, I kind of came up in comedy in Montreal, which is the just for laughs. It's like for a lot of people. It is. It's like this is comedy. This is where it's comedy summer camp. A lot of people refer to it as because you get a lot of really cool stuff happening. I was able to do it a couple of times. I had my show Rad Dads, uh, and then I got to open for Mike Rita just for last forty two, and just seeing when I moved to Toronto, nobody knows who I am, and the city shut down, and now I've got to start at the bottom again, moving into Toronto, and just start doing open mics and just being like, "Oh, this is a lot of fun. I love hearing jokes about your scrotum so much." <laughs> You guys start over. Yeah. I'm a headliner. I don't have to worry. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, um, yeah it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, oh, buddy. But Comedy Bar is one of those places when I came into town, whenever we come into Toronto, we made sure that we did a show. Uh, my favorite thing we ever did there, we did a brunch show that we consumed LSD at. Uh, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and there was a bunch of comics that just whacked out and then ended up at a Toronto Blue Jays game. Uh, and it was the wildest afternoon I've ever had in my life. My friend Walter Ling almost got arrested uh, when he wandered up to a police officer and asked him about the weather and how to get into the side on standing four foot away from the door. <laughs> well, that's Toronto is a wild. I can't wait for it to be open again. It's, I can't wait to explore this place. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. When it does open, make sure to come. We'll, we'll definitely love to have you up. For sure, yeah. whether it want to be your show or whatever show or a comedy show or do a uh, a combination of a comedy show and your show, uh, you know those are things. We I won't do acid, I promise. I'm passing. <laughs> we'll try to keep Boom. it on a on a limit with him, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. We we we've tapped out. We're uh, we're well over time here. So, uh, Colt, I want to thank you for coming on the show and for tweeting at me and uh, for being John's <laughs> fan. I appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, and it's fantastic, and uh, just keep being Colt Cabana because uh, I enjoy watching you and your products that you wrestle in, yeah. and I've enjoyed your career so far, uh, whether it be your podcasting or the comedy or you know, or just being you. So, uh, yeah, I what about really the wrestling? It. Well, the wrestling. Well, that's- <laughs> I was gonna say I love the wrestling. I've Thank been you. enjoying it. I, I actually one time I, I one time I was in Halifax on tour. And uh, it was the morning, and we flipped on Saturday morning. There was nothing on TV, and holy shit, 
there was wrestling on Saturday morning on television. That never happens anymore, but it was based out of Newfoundland, and there's Cole Cabana in the middle of a match in St. John's, Newfoundland, and I'm watching it from Halifax, and I was like, that's, that's- I, I don't even know what wrestling it was, but <laughs> I enjoyed watching those Cole Cabana matches in the morning. And, uh, yeah. I've been here. I mean, much GD's like you, much like you, I, you know, I have not as much as you, I'm sure, but I've, I think I've been in every province, Providence, Prov- I province, yeah. province. I've been in every province, I think. And, uh, I've, uh, toured around, I've been around. So yeah, I've, I've been in Nova Scotia. I've been in uh, Halifax. I've been in a Callowit, uh, been around. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for coming to Canada. We're going to fix up that uh, Toronto mishap because Toronto is a great place to play. And uh, anytime WWE comes in, the town, like when we had SummerSlam a few years ago, it was so great. There was a show every single night or sometimes you can go to two, three shows a night. Yeah. You know, Reese, it was my dream to to go. Not my dream. Like it was on my list to go to Just for Laughs and hang out for a week and just see show because that's what I did in Edinburgh. Like, you know, I, I did Edinburgh for seven years until it stopped here. But I, uh, I would my show was at eleven o'clock at night. I'd wake up at noon. I'd work out, and then from two to eleven, I'd just go sh- see shows all day. I loved it so much. And, oh. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's one of the coolest things being around a festival, like an art festival. Uh, it's what, <laughs> how can you not be inspired and then want right. to be like, it, especially as a performer you're like this? You know, is there a spot? Can I get a spot? Let me just jump on for a minute. Let's talk to your crowd. You get like you're almost like a junkie running around, just being like spot, spot. <laughs> I would. I didn't want a spot. I just. I enjoyed going and watching the shows. I liked being, like you said, being inspired and seeing the different artists, yeah, and seeing the creativity. Too. Yeah, that was that's my favorite true. part. That's yeah, I'm I've, been, also I've been to the festival as as a guest, and I've been there as a friend's guest uh, mm-hmm. on a, on a guest pass. And it's always better. Actually, sometimes it's better just being the guest pass because there's no pressure of performing yourself. But uh, but then again, you always like. You feel like you miss performing, but then you're hanging out with really cool comics. There's a great story. So one night we're just hanging out at the elevators, uh, and I, I come in with Todd Glass and Mick Foley sitting there. So now we just sort of sit down. We're hanging out with Mick Foley, and Jason Sensation is with him. And uh, I know Jason Sensation from being here in Toronto and from back in the day, obviously. So anyways, we're there, and like... Jeremy Hotz, who's a legendary Canadian comic, comes in, and Mick Foley goes, oh, I'm a big fan of his, and he sort of says, hey, can I get a picture with you? And this is like four in the morning when everybody's just rolling in from the parties, and Hotz was like, who are you? And, he, and like, and Foley gets up, and he's a giant, right? And yeah. he's, you don't realize how big Mick Foley is until you're standing next to him. And he, so then Jeremy Hotz just says, I don't, and he just gets away from the guy. He doesn't know who Mick Foley is. And then the next person to come in is J.B. Smooth from J.B. Smooth, Silent Live, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, Kirby yeah. Enthusiast. And he's like, oh, my God, motherfucking Mick Foley in the house. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Like, Mick Foley went from sad because Jeremy Hotz ran away from him to, like, yeah. boom, elated because yeah. J.B. Smooth assholes, is like, you know, <laughs> it was a great moment. And uh, Just Fine. for Laughs is always great. So, you know. Yeah. yeah just- when you come up, let's do it, man. We'll go to Montreal again. I got to go see some friends. We'll go rip just for laughs a new asshole. Let's fucking do it. this stuff. One day. It'll be like the hangover. Let's awesome. do it. Thanks for coming on, Colt. We appreciate it. And uh, is there guys. anything you, you so want to plug before you leave? Just uh, Colt Cabana on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and uh, Twitch. Awesome. Hit them up there, folks. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on Talking Wrestling, Never Sleeps Network. 
Until next week, thanks for putting us there. Thanks for letting us put a headlock in your ears, and we'll talk to you next week. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.